Your challenge, if you choose to accept it, is this. Let's go, let's go! Show up on day one, work out with us for 30 minutes, feel good right away. Yo! Repeat five days a week for three weeks. Three weeks? Five workouts a week. We're body, and we call that a body block. You pick the block, and you're going to love the experience. On week four, this part is really important. Take the week off. Seriously, we mean it. Rest, go on vacation, or try something new. Maybe some yoga. Notice you're not holding on to any tension here. Or a dance class. Get sexy with it, daddy. You do you. And then start again. Be committed to this process. Choose a new body block each month. Get a new challenge each month. Have fun every day. Avoid burnout. You're not going to quit on yourself today. This is how you reach your goals. You win? There is nothing that we can't do if we work together. Sign up for your first body block today. Visit body.com for a free trial. That's B-O-D-I dot com. Are you ready to get started? Real Moms of Bravo. Real Moms of Bravo. Real Moms of Bravo. Real Moms of Bravo. Well, what an episode. What a week in Housewives. We finally got Salt Lake City after that two-minute teaser But before we discuss Salt Lake, let's talk Beverly Hills. I mean, I feel like everyone is catching on to the fact that Erica's stories do not make sense. I completely agree with PK. Let me just say that again. I completely agree with PK. What what a time. Nothing about her story makes sense. The the not operating on his brain, we didn't see that. must have been a deleted scene. But then this whole new story about the house was broken in and then the eye with his glaucoma from the stress, but then how did she know? And then her son went up there and then he rolled his car, but he lives North of Pasadena, but he's an LA police officer. So he would be commuting an hour to two hours every day without traffic. Like none of this adds up or makes any sense to me. And I'm starting to believe what some people are saying in that she is still being coached by Tom's people and she is saying what she thinks will keep her safe. I mean, so we did some digging and I immediately Googled afterwards. I think that's, you know, that's what we do. And other people who want to find out this shit. So apparently January 22nd, uh, Tom's home was burglarized and it was in page six. It was on this random blog I found um, Law 360, which apparently from what some people are telling me is a reputable source and it was burglarized. However, they, the Pasadena Police Department hasn't commented, never commented on it, um, denied like requests for comments. And we never got information on like what was burglarized or if there was an arrest or any details regarding it. So it, it definitely feels fishy, but there may be some validity to that part of the story, which I was surprised Secondly, and I've spent way too much time this morning, like digging into it. So her son um, did a little sleuthing. Last we know, he was an LAPD officer, which you mentioned, Abby, in 2014. I don't know if he's still with the LAPD. So if he does live in Pasadena or even north of Pasadena, someone mentioned, found out, did some sleuthing. And in January, there was a hailstorm. And this was January 25th. The burglary was January 22nd. So the dates don't officially align, but there could have been a wintry mix maybe at that time frame. So I don't know that I fully, I don't know. I feel like there's slithers of truth to it, 
but in how she delivered that story, I just was kind of like, what the fuck? Yeah. I will say, and I said this last time you, everyone has little telltale things when they lie. And, And honestly, there's times where I find myself like talking to somebody and I'll be like, okay, don't do this for me. It's like eye contact. And it's not even that I'm lying. Like I'll be like, you know, hi, my name's Abby. And you know, or hi, my name's Vanessa. And I'm like really Abby, like, but maybe like, so I'm like, Oh, you know, did Sally tell Susie this? And I'll be like, and I know it, but I'm not supposed to say it. I kind of avoid eye contact. That's just like something naturally I do. We all have little things. And as you get older, you probably become more aware of it. Like, Oh, I notice I talk weird with my mouth or I lift up my shoulders and my body language change. Erica, her telltale sign is her mouth. She does this thing where she barely moves her mouth and it's really weird. And like, I just, she was like, you know, I mean, Tom, uh, there was a burglary. It, her voice, her tone also gets really low. She's like, the burglary, he confronted the burglar, had to get eye surgery. My son went there. He flipped his car five times. I mean, I'm under a lot of stress. And it's like, she doesn't even give the person like a pause to be like, wait, what? Like Kyle was trying to process this. And I do believe Kyle's trying to be a good friend to Erica. It is hard to buy her stories. Uh, and I just, I loved that PK and Maurice, Mauricio were like making it kind of a joke because really at this point, what can you do besides laugh? You know, the operating on the ankle instead of the brain I thought was hilarious. I just, there might be some truth to this. I just can't, I, I don't know if I believe all of it. Maybe her son heard about the burglary, wasn't asked to go out there um, by like the LAPD or by anyone on Tom's camp, but he did being a police officer, just wanted to check in, make sure everything was okay and flipped his car. But like, I just feel like there's more to it. Like it didn't all happen sequentially as she said it. Absolutely. I mean, I think PK was like, the chances are that, you know, two people who have flipped a car. He's like, it's like one in a million or whatever he said. I mean, the whole thing, and this is the one thing. And I love that PK and Mauricio are like calling those parts out, but I do feel like Sutton or not Sutton, Dorit and Kyle kind of like, oh, Sutton, a little apology in the sense of they're like gladly talking shit behind Erica's back, but don't have the balls so far um, to say all of this to her face, like to call out these stories. I agree. I mean, that's kind of what Sutton's whole thing is. Like, I don't buy everything. I can't, I, in good faith and being just a logical, normal human being, I don't buy all of this. I don't think any of us do. And so I agree. Maybe Sutton's approach and delivery wasn't the best, but the women are like, well, you need to tell her that you need to tell her you don't believe it. No one believes it. Is everyone telling her they don't believe all of her stories? No. And I mean, Erica did tweet. It was hard to watch that scene when they were all laughing, but I, and I, this is the, we talked about it in our live with the dip. I just hope that when Andy talks to Erica or that he already has, but in talking to Erica at the reunion, I hope he does say there's a lot of inconsistencies with your story. Can you clarify the car accident, the burglary and your son flipping his car? There's, we're not getting all of it. No, a thousand percent. We're definitely not getting all of it. It's, it's going to be really interesting to see kind of how this season continues to wrap up Um, from there. So after the fabulous, you know, we have the facials at Kathy's, which was lovely. Then the dinner, we see um, Crystal's basement remodel, which one, I'm kind of shocked that she seems like a very type A person and I'm surprised she has so much shit in her basement. That's a side note. <laughs> you know what though? I, my sister's friend has an immaculate home. Like you, anytime you could walk in without any notice and nothing is out of place. 
but she has like this attic storage that is just like pure chaos. And there's like her kids like are in college and she has like their Easter outfits from when they were three year old, just like hanging over a chair. So I think like everybody has like one space that just isn't perfect. So that's her, I think that's her space. Yeah. But it's about to be perfect. Um, uh, Kyle okay, was so, like ears perked up and he saw a golf simulator. <laughs> he was like, Oh my God. He's like, that's my dream. And anyways. So I get, you know, it's funny cause I will say, um, my older sister, my father, like father's built a home. Like a, a lot of people in my family have had to like do a bunch of like gut rehabs on homes or build homes. So I, when they were talking about the digging, that is extremely expensive, but I get why they would have to do it. Um, cause there's a lot of tall people in my family as well for the golf simulator. This is going to make me sound ridiculous, but when I look at all they're doing in that basement with the bar, the like lounge area, the golf simulator, the having to dig deeper, I'm actually surprised that it's only half a million dollars. Yeah, honestly, all things considered and the lavishness and bouginess of housewives, it actually seemed um, fair. I don't want to say reasonable. I mean, how many square feet did she say it is? I think she said it was like 1,800. Did I mean that up? Yeah, that's like most people's starter home. But you think about building like a starter home, even the first floor at 1,800, and she's essentially putting like a kitchen in there and all this stuff. I'm like, you know, a 500,000, I guess that's a lot for a starter home, but in LA and all the upgrades she's doing, I'm like, I honestly was like, wow, I kind of feel like maybe that was kind of for gold. That's going to add a lot of value to her home. I agree. So I, I was for it. I want to hang out with Crystal because I want to go to that basement. That looks yes. like I would just live down there. Um, I forgot to ask you this when we talked about PK and Mauricio, um, the dinner, the couple's dinner, how do you feel about mayo on salmon? Um, okay. So I think it just, it depends. So here's the the thing. Having worked in the restaurant biz for part of college, um, I love it when people talk about like, oh, there's an aioli with this fish. Okay. Aioli is just like different things added into mustard. So, I mean, into mayo. So yeah. like, I mean, I, I think it was in the way he presented it. He also wanted tartar sauce, which personally I think only should be with like uh, fried fish, not just like, like not the way Kyle had cooked it. I think it's kind of gross. Um, but I do like, I mean, there's, I, I know a lot of people love like a pesto aioli on a salmon sandwich. So I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt, but I think tartar sauce was a weird move. I feel like that was his way of saying, I don't want to eat this. So I'm going to like, it's like a kid cover it, yeah. cover it in mayo, which, ranch, okay. ketchup. Yeah. Yes. Any of the things. Um, so we then get to the bridal event, which I love. Okay. So Kiki, our buddy Kiki from the talk of shame, she noticed, I know any of you guys who watch F boy Island, CJ was one of the models. Um, I love the surprise there messaged her about it actually. And she responded, but I actually think the dresses were really pretty. They were gorgeous. I think they were beautiful. Um, I do agree with Kyle. So when she's like this, the pearl is her most expensive and it's $35,000. I mean, that is, that was, that is more than my wedding, that dress. Um, and to each their own, I think everyone approaches weddings in different ways and stuff, but I don't know if Dorit is really going to be reaching the masses with wedding gowns that cost more than the average wedding. No, not at all. Beautiful, beautiful dresses though. No, they they were really pretty. I feel like they were tastefully done. Um, I'm looking at the prices of some of the things. Oh, they have some other dresses that they did with her. Some of her, um, you can see, I'll post this on Instagram, actually. 
So her, uh, some of the dresses that she wore in her like green screen, um, confessionals or like introduction to Beverly Hills, the Nick, Nick Tari, Nick Taria designed those outfits, which I'm sure she got for free. So basically oh, yeah. Nick Taria, Giovanni. Nick Tari, yeah, it's Giovanni. <laughs> it's Doris Giovanni. So, um, get it girl, get that check. I did think it was funny how PK just casually mentioned to the guys that he's lost $2 billion in real estate. And he's like, Oh, I'm not in real estate anymore. I lost too much money. Uh, and I mean, I guess, you know, you're rich when nobody really bad an eye, like, what was it like a billion? He's like 2 billion. Like, Oh, okay. They'd be like, Oh God. Like we went to Disney and then, you know, had to cancel our hotel and our, or we were going to go to Disney. We had to cancel the whole trip because of COVID and we're out some money. And you're like, Oh, like, you know, 500. No, we're at a thousand. Oh, okay. Like, that's just how they acted like it was just no big deal. $2 billion. Yeah, that's rough. Too bad. On to the next subject. Like it, it, yeah. Interesting to be that rich. I was really glad Harry Hamlin was there though. Even though he didn't say much, it was nice to see him. I mean, he used a hu- a big word. I forgot what word it was, but I just remember him using like <laughs> this, was it viscous or I don't remember what the word was, but he used a really big word. That was my takeaway from Harry. I was like, wow, Harry, you're smart. And him, his Tom Brokaw, the accent's on point. It's on point. I I mean, I love a hairy moment. Okay, so this conflict between Dorit and Garcelle, how do you feel about Garcelle saying like she feels left out by the women and like it's her opinion? Um, they call they kind of came after her based on the comments that she shared in the press. Like, what's your take on that? Uh, so I'm going off of kind of like a combination of things, knowing more about Garcelle than what Dorit does. I think she feels like if she if she's too direct, she worries that they won't accept her and it will cause problems because she did try to be kind of direct in Palm Springs and bring up, you know, you know, Erica, you shared with me and everyone kind of turned on Garcelle except for possibly Sutton in that moment. You know, Rena was right by Erica's side. Erica then leaves and everyone's comforting Erica. And no one's like, hey, Garcelle, I know you didn't mean anything by that. Like Crystal did kind of, but I don't think, I think Crystal could have been a little bit louder and more in Garcelle's defense. Also, you know, then she kind of talks about some stuff with Dorit, so she's not going to be as direct. And then Dorit's telling her to be direct. It's like, I think she's just having a really hard time fitting in. And I think she's kind of at the point where like, no matter what I do or say, I'm probably not going to fit in with these women. So who cares? And so they're asking, how's the season going? She's on an interview and she's like, well, the women are kind of coming after me. I, if that's how she felt, I think she's entitled to that. I don't think it was fair that they then told her she wasn't like, Dorit's like, well, you should have done this and you should have done that. I I get really, I guess I get really defensive. If somebody says, I feel like blank, the worst thing you can do is try to tell them why their feelings then aren't validated. It might be like, that was not my intention. I wanted, I really just wanted to clear the air with you. I'm sorry if it came across as me, you know, coming at you and that the rest of us coming at you too. And we see it for next week. She just kind of says like my whole life I've tried to fit in and I never do. And I'm still dealing with that now. I don't know. I think I have a little bit more sympathy for her because I think she's really kind of trying to figure out how to even communicate with these women. Yeah. And I feel like some of these things too, and I, I know Garcelle's schedule has been, I, I would imagine, kind of difficult to film with, with all of her other commitments. But I feel like we, the producers, it would have been helpful to, for Garcelle to have like more one-on-one moments with the women. Like she had it with Rena, which felt super staged and fake. Yeah. Her and Kyle got together once. Like, I don't know. I mean, there was a little bit of that here and there, but all in all, like, well, and look at when she's okay. So look at when she's been in the smaller group 
it turned into everyone bashing on Sutton and she felt uncomfortable there too. I just feel like she hasn't really had an opportunity to connect with too many women beyond Sutton. And at one point, Erica, but then that backfired. So I think she's looking at it. She's got one ally that's Sutton, who's kind of on the outs with the group too. And I think she has a point, you know, Rena saying she wants to be a better friend to her. Erica even said to Rena, you should probably go over there. I'm not going over there. You know, just, I think Rena wants to be a friend with Garcelle when it's convenient, but she doesn't want to have to stand up for Garcelle, which sometimes that's part of being a good friend. Yeah. A thousand percent. I didn't get a chance to watch the watch what happens live with Rena last night, but I do, I did hear that she made comments on her regrets and how she treated Denise. And I, you know, I just wish she would have said that more on camera. Like she kind of yeah. did that to Garcelle, but like, I just felt like she never fully owned up to it. And she's doing a lot of like backpedaling now that the viewers are going in on her, but I wish she would have commented on that more, but Beverly Hills is coming to a wrap. I think I'm not, this was episode number 17. So we have 19 totals. So we've got two more to go. Um, so we know there's going to be some sort of like gathering that will be teed up next week. They'll have the gathering and then that will be the end of it. I, I mean, I made a meme about this. Like I am really going to be sad when it's over. I'm excited for the reunion, but I hate knowing that means we're going to be seven to eight months without any, any Beverly Hills. Yeah, but we're going to get Jersey. As someone mentioned that they're like, but we'll get Jersey and Jersey is always a good time. So I'm excited and for Jersey I, and Winter House. And Salt Lake City, perfect segue, is just starting. I mean, talk about bringing the drama. I hope they break up though. My Sundays, I can't emotionally handle two great franchises back to back. It's like a <laughs> lot for me to take in. I would love it if they move Salt Lake to like Tuesday or Wednesday. Like, I feel like we need to move Salt Lake. Potomac is always Sundays, but we, I think we can move Salt Lake just because it's a lot and it was great. Okay. So let's start with the two minutes, the first two minutes that we've all seen admittedly 50 plus times still gives me goosebumps. I want the producers to give us a timeline because then the rest of the episode, I don't know what the timing is. Like, I just always want a little context. Like usually that felt like a flash forward a little bit. And then it's like, okay, now we're going to go back and tell you the story. I mean, so that's definitely what we're getting. And usually I hate that in this situation. I loved it because they're starting with maybe like, I mean, the best moment to ever be captured in Bravo history. I mean, we didn't see the moment that Teresa realized she was going to jail. We saw that with Jen Shaw, you see it in her face. So I think they're like, we're going to give them what they want from the very beginning but like you said, we got to build it up. We got to show you what happened because we were filming before, you know, she was arrested. I've never yeah. been happier for that two months, like two months later, because I'm like, okay, now we're going to get the build up. I wanted to see that from the beginning. I got to see it. Uh, I mean, so we start talking about Sharif, like we see her and Sharif saying like having issues. She's saying they almost got a divorce. Then he got immediately got a divorce lawyer. We talked about this in the live. I think Sharif is going to leave her maybe after jail during jail, during, during the time she's in jail. I don't think he's going to do it right now because of the optics of it and realizes like, he's not going to kick her when she's down. This marriage is not lasting much longer. I'm actually really curious to know like, what was his breaking point? Because in this conversation, she, I mean, that conversation to me felt a little staged in her sharing her divorce. Like it was just very much like, Hey, Lisa. Yeah. Um, Sharif and I almost got a divorce. Like it was just very casual. Like, I don't know. So I, 
Yes. When she goes to, in Teresa's terms, camp, I think Sharif is going to get, you know, he doesn't want to be go down with the sinking ship. I think he's going to cut his ties if he wants to continue to have a reputation in the athletic, in, athletic, in athletics, excuse me. I don't know that being tied to Jen is a good look. I mean, I got to be real here. Like, yeah, I mean, you say um, tell death to his part, but let's keep it real. Like for his job, it may not be a good look. So I, but I'm, what I'm curious is, sorry, I'm going on a little tangent. What I'm curious is what was that breaking point six months ago? Was it really her behavior? Like what else was going on? Did he know some, there was some unsavory things happening? (laughs) Unsavory word of the word of the season. Yeah. I, I don't know if we're going to see that breaking point. I hope we do. Um, I feel like Sharif is going to be pretty absent this season. Not that he was super present the first season, I don't think we'll see him at a reunion. Um, I just think he's going to try to keep himself distance as much as he can from this. Uh, so it doesn't impact his career and whether Jen agrees or likes it. I think she realizes that for her children and for their family, coach Shaw has got to remain a coach and stay employed and have a paycheck. Otherwise those kids, I mean, what are like, you know, they can't have an unemployed father and a mother in jail. So I, I'm real. I don't know. I'm curious how much we even see of him. Um, I, I, I have to think that she felt like something was coming, knowing that a lot of people on her team, a part of this scam, were getting arrested. I mean, how could she not think eventually she would be caught? But maybe Ego, that's the narcissist. I mean, it's a tale as old as time. Yeah. Ego, people think they're above the law and think they're invincible. It's a tale as old as time. Um, Whitney's segment, I thought was really fun. I just, Whitney just brings like a lot of laughter to the show. Um, I like that she acknowledged the weirdness of being so close in age with her stepsons. I mean, when she said her high school friends come to the parties that her sons or stepsons are throwing, that's, yeah, that's a little too close to comfort for me, but I do think she makes the best of it. She doesn't try to act like she's their mom. She's taking shots with them. I mean, in many ways, it makes more sense that she'd be partying with her stepsons and partying with her husband, you know, just because of the, like she's significantly closer age with her stepsons and her husband. So, um, yeah, I, but I think she, I mean, I think she makes it fun and light. She dropped the cake a million times. I still just can't get over Mary's podcast. <laughs> Mary's podcast, Mary. There's a lot of things with Mary. Well, one, she's out of the damn closet. She started a podcast because she got t- tired of talking to herself because Robert <laughs> is gone. Then she interrupts the guy when he started it. She basically tells him he's praying wrong, which I was like, oh my God, like any, any church I've gone to, I've like gone to several different types of like religious institutions. And it's sort of like this, like, however you pray is, is how you should. Like, I thought it was hilarious. She basically corrected him on praying and then looked at him with, see, that's how it's done. (laughs) She just, I mean, delusion. I can never say this damn word, but you guys know it's like delusional. Delusional. Thank you. It's my favorite characteristic in a housewife. And she is definitely delusional. It is very strange that her and Robert, because he had, was deathly afraid of flying, didn't see each other for six months. You would think he would maybe consider driving. It's kind of I'm weird. not buying that. I, I, I think they just live separate lives and it was easier just to have that as, as an excuse. excuse. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of am getting the sense, and I don't know what else we'll learn about their relationship, but I feel like those two are just share 
a home and are married on paper, but in terms of how they live their life, I don't feel like they're married. I think it was just, yeah, it was a marriage of convenience um, and opportunity for her. Uh, But let's move on to Jenny. I'm obsessed with Jenny. I loved her daughter when she was talking about, because Lisa's like, you probably get straight A's. You're so smart. And she's like, we're not, what is it? We're not Bajans. We're Asians. Like, I just thought that was really cute. It was pretty funny. It did feel like a little bit like. Hey, I'm on TV. Here's my I joke. Know, but I'm ching. But yeah. you know, she's like a little kid. I was like, yeah. I just think it's funny. She's trying to like make a mark. And I, hey, A for effort. I loved it. It did make my husband laugh out loud. He actually was like, that's, that was pretty funny. So yeah, no, it was cute. It was cute. Um, we got to meet Jenny. What a story. I mean, I love, love that. Love that. <laughs> I love that. I just thought love she that told- you were hiding in a boat for days. <laughs> love that. I'm like, this is insensitive. This is very insensitive. She's like, Hey, tell my son about that time you hid in a boat. <laughs> Cause I love that story. Love that for him. It, but truthfully, all, all kidding aside, her story is crazy. Even with the, her age, like, I don't her I mean, age and real age. What an amazing father. I was like, I'm going to take away two years of your life, honey. Cause like, I remember not take away, but I'm going to make you two years younger. Cause like, you know, we're in America now and you're going to, you know, I, I appreciate it. I like how she just owns it too. She's like, well, really this is my age, but on all of my documentation, this is my age. Um, she doesn't st- like, I think many housewives would be thrilled to have two years, um, subtracted from their age and she just owns it. I I'm really curious to see who she immediately clicks with. I can't figure out, like we know who we see previews of who she's going to argue with, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's somebody that she was having issues with from the beginning. Sometimes like a new housewife will click with somebody and then quickly something turns because they start hanging out with another housewife that doesn't fit in with, or isn't good friends with the other person. So I, I just can't wait to see Jenny's journey this season. I can't wait to see either. I am ready for her watch what happens live appearance so she can apologize to her husband on national television for calling him a butterface. I think Dewey seems like a cool dude um, from what we've seen so far. So I do kind of get a vibe from him that he seems like the type of house husband who would insert himself in the drama. He definitely is. Like I and just get also, that vibe. I also give him, um, I guess, props, praise. I mean, he's clearly not afraid of COVID. Lisa Barlow's son, she's like, he's been sick with like a respiratory thing. Can you go give him an adjustment? Like, yeah, during a pandemic where COVID is a respiratory um, virus. Yeah, let's go ahead. Like I did, I mean, I wouldn't think she would knowingly expose them, but I did kind of think that was kind of funny. Yeah, absolutely. It was um, a great episode. And then we, of course, the producers. So then afterwards, actually, I'm missing a scene. Afterwards, um, then the women, Meredith, Heather, Mary, Whitney go have a lunch where Whitney or Meredith. Oh my God. I cannot speak where Heather does excellent ordering and orders for the table. She didn't want to split a side salad. That's not the lunch she wanted. And I don't think that's lunch anybody wants. She ordered what all of us want to order. Yes, absolutely. You mean you want to munch on a little bit of everything, get a little taste and a little bite. But in that moment, we find out that Meredith's father passed away Mary. Um, then they get into a conversation about friendship juice. Mary's talking about friendship juice. Um, it, I don't know. That made me laugh. She said, that's not juice. That's a choice that made me laugh out loud, loud in terms of Jen and how the type of friend that she is. 
I think we're going to, I think we're going to like see definitely a different Meredith. She's been open that she's engaging this season. I think we'll still see her disengage, but I like that she is opening up to other women that, you know, in the first season, we didn't really see her. She was friendly with Whitney and Heather and Mary, but I'm actually like believing that they are possibly building a friendship. The way she opened up with the women and told them about her father. And, you know, that's something that Mary and Heather, you know, had just recently gone through as well. And so I could see them that kind of being like a moment where she has some support. Um, And I know Lisa likes to think her building that relationship with Heather and Whitney, because Heather and Whitney in her eyes have attacked her character and personality. That's how Lisa feels. I still, and we said this on the live with the dip. I don't think what happened with Jen and the way she's treated Brooks, even if Brooks is 21 and has kind of put himself out there, calling him a twink and liking tweets that are like just not really favorable of anyone's child, regardless of age, unless they're like, you know, in their 50s or something. Like he's 21. He's still a, a very much a young adult. I just think that's very different than someone saying like, I knew you or maybe didn't know you at college. Um, so I can understand why Meredith is maybe not in a hurry to build her, to continue to hang out with Lisa. And she's more open to building a stronger relationship with these other women. I'm excited for more assertiveness from Meredith. I feel like she's going to like, to me, the vibes I'm getting is like, I'm a hard ass and I'm going to say what I'm thinking to your face. And in some moments I may disengage, but I feel like she's like, I'm not going to take any bullshit. Like, I, I feel like I'm getting like a hard ass vibe from her. And I, I like that in a housewife. Someone yeah. who's a little like not afraid to say what they say, what they have to say. And we saw snippets of that when she said, bye, baby, or whatever that was. Love you. Love um, you, bye. Who's the fraud? Love you, baby. Um, before we wrap up this epic premiere, can we just give production a nod, a tip of the hat for having Jen Shaw's aunt show up without her legs? Yeah. I mean, that was definitely calculated. And I think she might've passed away. She did. Okay. So one of our favorites, um, Christina Villablanca um, on Instagram said that she would love at BravoCon if the like, you know, squash that beef, if it was between Mary and then Jen's aunt. And a lot of people informed her that Jen's aunt passed away. And I guess Jen did tweet about it. I'll say if it's a tweet, we've guys, we're probably going to miss it. I'm not very active on, on Twitter anymore. Uh, I'm all about, you know, Instagram and occasionally TikTok, but I missed it. I had no idea, but her aunt did in in fact pass away. Um, I feel like it was maybe like in April or May. I can't exactly remember, but yes, she did pass away. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm glad we got to see a little bit of her, but it was a little sad, but an epic premiere. Nonetheless, it was, it was amazing. So on to Potomac. Ooh, Potomac. Okay. I mean, we, obviously there's so many things to touch on the fact that two epic feuds might actually be moving forward, but, um, let's obviously just start at the beginning. Karen shooting the Surrey video, but choosing not to do it in Surrey. I just love that production asked her that. Like, why are you doing a Surrey tourism video, but not shooting it in Surrey? It's the most Karen Huger thing in the world. And she's going to make up a response and say it so confidently that you almost believe her. Like, it's just, it's so funny. Like it felt very like Parks and Rec to me. (laughs) Like, I feel like that would be a scene in Parks and Rec. (laughs) Like, I I just laughed. (laughs) Um, Yeah. 
so Karen. I, I truly loved it. Um, and then we have Giselle talking with her daughters about the fact that she doesn't want to get married. I really love the way Giselle mothers her daughters in a sense that she doesn't sugarcoat things for them. They're at an age where I think they can handle knowing Giselle's like honest opinions on things and clearly her daughters feel confident and strong enough in that relationship as well to share how they're feeling. And I mean, they straight up asked her like, do you want to get married again? And I just think it shows she has a lot of open dialogue and her daughters really trust her. Yes. Her girls are her best asset. I love any scene with them. I'm so glad that we got more of them this season. I feel like they troll Giselle like no other either. Like they just like kids. I mean, they will tell you exactly what they think. They don't care who you are. They will keep it 100. They don't care that she's a housewife and on TV, they will share their honest opinions of her. So I love seeing it. I love her daughters. I can't get enough of them. Uh, okay. The Candace and Chris conversation. I. I think it was like neat to see them have such an open conversation about it. But I feel like that's just very much Potomac. Like they, it's like they're aware of the cameras, but unaware at the same time. And that they're, they're not going to make some of these, I don't want to even say fight, but just friction. They're not going to make it seem like it's like, Oh, now here's my storyline. Like these are things really happening in real conversations. But with Chris and Candace, I really think they both just have very different expectations. I think Candace thinks with him being the husbander, it means that she is his number one priority from a career standpoint. I think he looks at it as I'm going to help you out a little bit, but I still want to build my career. And that's where like the source of their, I think their fights can come from. Yeah. I thought it, honestly, I thought it was a relatable conversation, especially when a partner can't be present due to like a work obligation. Um, in my husband's career and his job, the beginning stages of it, he wasn't available to me. <laughs> and I, I mean, at the time I was child-free and a lot more bratty than I am now, but I was, you know, a little bummed out by that. So I could kind of relate to that. I think anytime work people's ambitions and people wanting time in a relationship, it's all really hard to juggle. Um, but I, I, it was a hard conversation. I, I do think she needs to get someone to do be her manager. Um, I'm wondering if we're going to see that by the end of the season, but I don't feel like give him the time to pursue whatever he's trying to yeah, do. I agree. And I also think it'd be really hard not to carry work home with you when like the dynamic is, your husband works for you. It's, it's different if you like own a business and you're like, okay, in a boardroom, we're going to do this pitch. But when we get home, we're going to talk about us and our family. And like, I, I just feel like because the fact that he like reports into her in a sense, and is supposed to work for her, it just makes it a really weird dynamic. Um, so I think it'd be best for their marriage and for both of them. I think Chris has career ambitions that he feels like are being halted by managing her, but okay. Like, I don't want to say my favorite part, but I think maybe heartbreaking, heartwarming, and beautiful all at the same time was Wendy and Eddie's conversation with our kids about just being black and being black men in America. I obviously I'm white. I will not, I will never have to have that conversation in the same way she will. I have educated my kids and plan on educating my kids on how to be a good ally and a good friend um, to their friends of color. But like, I won't necessarily have to tell my kids how to promote approach a police officer or what to do when a police officer approaches you. And it, I don't know. I like, I was crying watching all the 
just the whole thing play out. It was a heavy scene and it's sadly their reality. And I, I think as parents, Eddie and Wendy were doing, are doing their best to prepare their sons. It's just hard because, you know, as we watch our kids and our kids view the world through these lenses of every, everyone and everyone is great and pure and positive. Like they don't see the bad and ugly in people quite yet. So when you're, you know, when they're trying to explain that to him and for him to kind of see that, it just, kind of, it just breaks my heart because it t- just takes away some of that innocence and all because of the color of his skin. So I, I thought it was a beautiful um, moment, heartbreaking, beautiful all at the same time. And I'm, I'm glad that Bravo shared that. Yeah, I think it was one of those things I'm like, I think everyone needs to watch this to really understand because, you know, you'll hear people say, that are not of color. Like, well, I don't want to have that conversation with my kids yet. I don't want them to know the world can be a bad and sad and ugly place because it, it, I mean, Wendy said it perfectly. It's like, you're kind of taking away from their innocence, but black parents don't have that. And not just black Asian, you know, parents of gay transgender, you know, I just, uh, some people have to have that conversation earlier than they would like. And I just, I think I really sympathized and empathized with Wendy there, even though it's not something I will necessarily have to do. So yeah. I just, I feel like everybody should watch that scene. Um, I even told a few friends, I text them like, I know you don't love Potomac, but this was a really moving, beautiful, you know, scene. And it was just well done. Yeah. Um, thousand okay. percent. The party. Let's talk about the party. So. I truly am starting to really appreciate and like Mia. I love that she did a goddess party, but I like that she started it off with like everyone going around and saying something positive about one another. You know, the Rinna game of this is everyone say something that you've been lying or hiding to about one another. And instead Mia's like, I want to get these people who are feuding with each other to have to think of something positive and nice because if you're hanging around somebody, even if you don't get along, you can pretty much for majority of the people in your social circle, think of at least one positive thing about them. And I, I, I thought it was a great way to start it off. It, it was, I mean, even though it did give us some drama and some laughable moments, I, it ultimately was successful. I mean, we got Karen and Giselle apologizing to each other. Never in a million years. I mean, Giselle was, a, was a, like a forced, I'm sorry, even though she actually has said sorry a lot. But Karen, even though she wouldn't make eye contact at first, <laughs> did apologize. I was just shocked that they had even apologized. I love these two so much as frenemies that I don't know that I want them to get along yet. But I'm glad they're moving past this and the death, um, Ray wishing death <laughs> upon. <laughs> wishing Ray. The wishing Giselle. Giselle. Yes, thank you. Giselle did not technically wish death, but maybe she did in Karen's eyes. I, so I think this might actually, I don't think they're going to be best friends. And I guarantee you by the end of the season, they will be fighting about something else again. Cause that's just how these two, they're just, they don't mesh well. But the fact that Giselle was willing to say how much those comments hurt her daughter and hurt her, even though she already knew that information because Jamal tells her all this stuff that's not the Giselle we typically see. And even Candace was like, Whoa, I've never heard you say you were hurt by anything. Yes. And that there's truth to the rumors. Like I was shocked that she even acknowledged that. Like I, I was Candace in that moment. 
And so that made me think, okay, she, if she's willing to be a little bit vulnerable here and admit I was hurt, those were true. You put it out there. And even though it was true, it wasn't something my family was ready to have out there yet. Karen recognizing that, realizing it, saying, I would never want to hurt children ever and apologize. And I did feel like it truly felt heartfelt from Karen, even though she didn't make eye contact with her until Mia asked her to, but that I feel like it was just the dynamic of those two. So I think we might actually have a few episodes where they will potentially not be fighting. But then I started thinking like, if those two truly did become friends, could you imagine what would happen if somebody crossed one of them and they were both friends together? Like it could end one of these housewives for starting something with Karen or Giselle. You're right. But I just like the drama of them not getting along. So I hope they, I hope they don't, but you're right. They, it would be there. They would be a fun duo. It would be be a powerhouse. Yeah. I mean, maybe we'll at least get scenes of them like production, forcing them to interact with each other. Like never forget the mime, um, them having happy hour in the mime coming. Uh, I would like another moment like that, like them getting together. I, Yes, that would be amazing. Uh, and honestly, this whole week was amazing. And I think it's because we were officially done with New York. I, I'm still decided if I'm going to watch the reunion. I mean, guys, let us know if you want us to cover it and watch it. We will. It's just probably going to be like a one, maybe a two parter. So I could, I could sit through it. We sat through all of the bachelor last year, so we could do it, um, for you guys this year. But I, um, I just like, God, it's like so nice to have three strong franchises in a week. Like this is, we're living the dream right now, guys. Living the dream. And that brings us to our shout out. And in true Abby and Vanessa form, we have not discussed our shout out, which I think is just going to become our thing week over week. Yeah. I think we just surprise each other. Yeah. Um, my shout out is going to PK because honestly, who needs, I mean, Kathy Hilton is a friend of, but I would argue if you're an invited to every party and you're at least in every single episode, you're basically a housewife. So I'm going to argue that Kathy's a housewife now and PK is the friend of, and he is maybe the best friend of. So my shout out goes to PK for just speaking the truth and making all of us laugh. My shout out is going to go to Miss Brittany Spears for her engagement. We're going to be breaking down all the drama regarding it on our Patreon, um, patreon.com slash real moms of Bravo. But I'm so happy for her and I'm hoping this is, um, means we're getting closer and closer to freedom. So we'll share details on Patreon. And that brings us to the end of our show. And you guys know what I'm going to say, five stars. So if you haven't done it already, please click that five stars and give us a five-star rating or written review. They truly do make a difference. We're working on some special things that we'll have coming in the works, but it really just helps guys. It makes a difference. We do this for free. This is free content that we're putting out for you guys. So please, it's just a way for us to support us. And if you want to support us monetarily, please consider checking out our Patreon. And with that, we will catch you next week. Your challenge, if you choose to accept it, is this. Let's go, let's go! Show up on day one, work out with us for 30 minutes, feel good right away. Yo! Repeat five days a week for three weeks. Three weeks? Five workouts a week. We're a body, and we call that a body block. You pick the block, and you're going to love the experience. On week four, this part is really important. Take the week off. Seriously, we mean it. Rest, go on vacation, or try something new. Maybe some yoga. Notice you're not holding on to any tension here. Or a dance class. Get sexy with it, daddy. You do you. And then start again. Be committed to this process. Choose a new body block each month. 
Get a new challenge each month. Have fun every day. Avoid burnout. You're not going to quit on yourself today. This is how you reach your goals. You in? There is nothing that we can't do if we work together. Sign up for your first body block today. Visit body.com for a free trial. That's B-O-D-I dot com. Are you ready to get started?